Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host Kane Pittman here riding solo today on a Tuesday evening. We are just about 24 hours gone since the Bucks had a rare loss to the Miami Heat and I I think um, we can safely say that the reaction has been exactly what we expected it was going to be from uh, the internet, from the outside media, from everyone around. We know that there's full-blown panic and the Bucks season is in disarray. 52-9, and but forget that. They had one loss, third game in four nights on the road, and now everything is falling apart. There's a blueprint. There's a blueprint to beat the Bucs, even though it's the same blueprint that has been there every single other game that they have lost, and teams aren't simply able to follow that blueprint for a reason because the Milwaukee Bucks are a very good basketball team. And I've got some numbers uh, later on that I'm going to run through here uh, as we get rolling with this podcast, but just a few things uh, to tidy up right off the top here. It's interesting that uh, today the NBA announced their Player of the Month awards for February, and surprisingly, it was not Giannis. It's the first time this season that he has not taken out that award for uh, for a-, a month. It went to Jason Tatum from Boston. Now it's interesting. I noticed this tweet because we know that, you know, like sometimes some numbers that other guys put up, and we've seen this a lot with Joel Embiid, for instance, where he might have a 36 and 15 game and and everyone's like, well, this is incredible. What a night. What a dominant player. Then you sit back and think, well, okay, well, that's literally what Giannis is doing every single night out on the floor. Uh, And because he's been so consistently good, that that begins to be overlooked. So this tweet from uh, Justin Kabatko, who... By the way, this guy, I don't know, I think he works for StatMuse or he, he had something to do with basketball reference, but this guy just continually has crazy buck stats that he's tweeting out. But the numbers that, uh, or the tweet that he sent out today, Giannis Adetokounmpo in February, 28.3 points per game, 17 rebounds per game, 6.4 assists per game. So Giannis joined Charles Barkley in March 1987 as the only player since the merger to average at least 25 points, 15 rebounds, and five assists in a calendar month. Uh, That's with five games minimum. And he finished the tweet by saying, I know Jason Tatum was great last month, but dot, dot, dot. And, you know, it's just really, really interesting to see. I think this is, again, uh, a case of uh, probably people just overlooking the greatness of of Giannis and what he's doing this season. And, uh, again, Hey, Jason Tatum was fantastic. I've enjoyed watching him play this season. The Celtics have been rattling off wins. Uh, They've been without Kemba Walker, and and Tatum's definitely appearing to taking that step from being uh, a young rising star to maybe this being the consistent level of play 
uh, that he can get to. So uh, no doubt about it, incredible month for Jason Tatum. But uh, I think when you, when you take a step back and compare the two, uh, I think you'll probably still find that this award most likely should have gone to Giannis. And it's, it's ridiculous to say. We know that uh, with the NBA Player of the Week awards, uh, sometimes they uh, you know, dish them out uh, quite liberally. But uh, with Giannis, probably can consider himself a little bit unlucky here. But this actually rolls into the next thing I want to talk about. And you guys know, I've spoken about the national media a little bit before in the past and why I don't particularly care about the narratives and about the stories around the Bucs and about the panic about the Bucs and the questioning this Milwaukee team. The interesting thing that I've found in my experience is coming into the industry and working for a bunch of different places now is just finding out that when you're really in there, how much uh, traffic and how much uh, interest teams like the Lakers uh, will, will attract. And I can tell you firsthand from the numbers that I see and what I'm told from the people that I work for that uh, the, the fact of the matter is there simply isn't the same interest in the Milwaukee Bucks as there is the Los Angeles Lakers. And that is why you are seeing this week more MVP discussion than you've really seen all season long. And the reason for that is because the Bucks are playing the Lakers on Friday night on ESPN. So every single ESPN talk show is being told to, to talk about the fact that LeBron James is potentially a chance to win the MVP. Now, if you really take a step, a step back and look at the season they're having, LeBron's been great. There's no doubt about it. He's having a fantastic season. But when you look at the numbers that he's averaging, so this is another basketball reference search that I've done. For players that have averaged greater than 25 points, greater than uh, seven rebounds, and greater than 10 assists per game in a season, there's been a whole bunch of players that, that have uh, reached those marks. Interestingly enough, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook times two, have reached those numbers just in the last three seasons. So it's not exactly unheard of what LeBron James is doing. He's 35. Well, that's great. That doesn't matter when it comes to the MVP. You don't get extra credits for being old, just like you don't get extra credits for being young. It doesn't matter. That's not what this award is about. So I could not care less whether LeBron James is 35 years old. You don't get extra credits for that. And then you look at what Giannis is doing, with a similar search, players that have averaged at least 29 points, 13 rebounds, and five assists per game, which Giannis is clearing all those marks comfortably. The last player to do that in a season was Wilt Chamberlain in 1965-1966. So again, Jason Tatum can have his Player of the Month award from the NBA. That's totally fine. But what Giannis is doing over the course of the season is truly historic. When you look at the, some of the other numbers included in here with PER on track to have the best season ever recorded with that stat. When you look at the defensive end and the fact that uh, he's probably, uh, I would have to say likely to end up winning the Defensive Player of the Year award as well. I just don't think that there's a race. And I do believe that most people that are voting for this award are well and truly aware of this. And while they will feast on a game like the one Giannis had last night where he only uh, scored 13 points, had 15 rebounds, I think the, the totality of the season and the body of work put in, when you consider the Bucks on track to have the best record in the NBA by quite a margin, I don't think there's an argument 
And I think most people know that. But in this industry, you need something to talk about. And I tweeted this out last week, but I was listening to the low post with John Holliger uh, last weekend. And I'll finish this discussion on this. John Holliger asked Zach Lowe because Zach Lowe said that, well, I really want them, I want there to be a race. I want this to be a race between LeBron and Giannis. And John Holliger said, well, let me ask you this, Zach. If the roles were reversed and Giannis was playing in LA and LeBron was playing in Milwaukee, would we be saying that there's a race between these two for the MVP? And Zach said, well, you know, probably not. And he's right. There would not be. It would not be up for debate. It would not be up for discussion. Unfortunately, that's the downside uh, when you are a smaller market among the bigger media, the story and the people that want to see, the, the things that people want to see and read is all centralized around the Lakers. And it's unfortunate because there's some, some really odd and, and weird narratives trying to, to help the push for LeBron that I don't even want to go into. I think you could probably guess what I'm talking about. It's really kind of disturbing, to be honest. But I don't think that there's much of a race, and that's why we haven't discussed it on this podcast. But given that this Player of the Month award went to Tatum today, I thought it was worth mentioning that we could, uh, we could at least bring that up. I wouldn't anticipate we'll be talking about this too much outside of potentially uh, the post-game with the Bucks lakers on Friday. But uh, for now, as much as it might be frustrating for you guys listening uh, to all this commentary, I think we can safely say, barring some sort of disaster, Giannis has the MVP locked up. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Bucks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Milwaukee Bucks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Milwaukee Bucks fans that are well-educated with disposable income then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to double three triple seven, or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get the team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you guys. All right, so while we're continuing the theme of narratives around this Milwaukee Bucks team, of course, Milwaukee lost the game last night to the Miami Heat 105-89, and there was, uh, without doubt, a continued theme of when the Bucks lose. When you look at the box score, the thing that stands out to you is, there's no question, the thing that stands out to you is the three-point shooting. Now, uh, just looking at the, the straight numbers, uh, for Milwaukee, I'm going to get to some of the opposition numbers in terms of their shooting in a little bit because I want to take a little bit of a different approach with this. But straight up for the Milwaukee Bucks, I think that there's something uh, interesting to look at here. And, and I wouldn't say that I am uh, extremely anxious or, or nervous about the, the Bucks' possibilities in any series, uh, particularly in the East. It's interesting to note a couple of these numbers. So for Milwaukee in wins this season, they're averaging... 120.9 points on 36.9% shooting from three. In losses, they're averaging 108.3 points at 30.5% from three. So 
while there's 52 wins up against only nine losses, there's no question if the Bucks aren't knocking down their threes, they open the door significantly for the opposition. Now, you might say, well, of course. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty natural uh, course of, of how a game might, might uh, play out, for sure. And I would agree with you. But two players in particular stand out to me when I look at their individual numbers shooting the three. One is Giannis. In wins this season, Giannis is shooting 35% from three. Obviously, very, very good for a guy that has been questioned throughout his career about his three-point shooting. The fact that he has shot 35% in all those wins uh, overall is great. And it also points to the fact that how unstoppable this team can really be if he's knocking down those shots. Now, in losses, he's only shooting 10%. And that is compounded when you look at the numbers for Eric Bledsoe. In wins this season, 37% from three. In losses, just 20%. So, look, if there was anything that I was going to take away from this game, and again, it's not the Bucks' uh, three-point defense, but, but what it is, is that this Milwaukee team we saw last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, and even in the wins, even in the first two wins, the Bucs as a team did not shoot the ball well from three. Right throughout that series, they didn't shoot the ball well from three. Uh, ironically, the, the, their best game shooting from beyond the arc, 35%, came in game six, uh, obviously the game that they got eliminated. So while Giannis has certainly taken big strides this season in the way that he's shooting the ball, it, it's very telling that those two players in particular, when they're not shooting the ball well, uh, the Bucks can find themselves in a position that, that potentially they could lose the game. Because when you think about even last night, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, really uh, backslapping about Bam Adebayo today, and rightfully so. I said last night, he's, he's a terrific player. But what we saw was four or five guys closing in on Giannis, making his life super difficult. Uh, we already pointed to the fact that there was a couple of times where Giannis looked like he was probably fatigued. I mean, to me, he looked like some of his shot attempts was a guy that, I'm tired. I'm just going to get up a jump shot here. It's, it's the easier, easier option for me. And he admitted after the game he was feeling kind of tired. But Eric Bledsoe was not hitting threes. Giannis obviously wasn't hitting threes. He was over four in a night. Wesley Matthews couldn't hit a three. Chris Milton couldn't hit a three. So when that happens, it becomes very, very, very easy for those teams to not necessarily stop Giannis, but certainly slow him down and stop him from getting into the, into the paint, getting to the basket. So when you get to the playoffs and you're taking on these teams, Miami, Boston, Toronto, yeah, maybe Philadelphia if they can uh, figure some things out and get healthy. At some point, it can't all just be about Giannis carrying this team to a win. Yes, he's the MVP. Yes, he's incredible. And I'm not even really looking at Chris Milton because, again, uh, his season has been out of this world. He had one off night, obviously, last night against Miami. But his numbers right across the board, wins and losses, have been very similar. I think he's 43% in wins, 40% in losses. So generally, right through the season, he's been very consistent. Brooke Lopez, we know, has really, really struggled from three. And obviously, as I pointed to, Eric Bledsoe has, has been a much improved shooter. But in those losses, it does make things difficult for this offense. So you're talking about a couple of guys in your starting lineup there that, that have to be key contributors. And them knocking down shots is so vital for Giannis to be able to do other things. There's, there's no coincidence that Giannis is shooting. When he's knocking down his three, the Bucks are winning. And same with Eric Bledsoe, because all of a sudden, 
the floor opens up. This is the whole idea between having the five-out offense. So, listen, while people will point to the fact that, that Giannis had, a, had an off night last night, six for 18, I still believe the only thing that can slow this team down is the other guys not hitting threes. So that's what I'm looking for. When you're looking at Eric Bledsoe, looking at Brooke Lopez, when we move towards the postseason and we get into those playoff series, uh, those are the guys that are going to have to knock down shots. If they do, I can't see anyone touching this Milwaukee Bucks team. I, I, I just really can't. If they're not knocking down shots, I still believe the Bucks can win based off their defense. I'm going to go into this in just a little bit here. But things uh, become much, much more difficult as the numbers point to when you look at the 120-plus points per game in wins, 108 points in losses. That's a big, big difference. And in the playoffs, when guys are going to be uh, throwing all those bodies at Giannis on a nightly basis and these teams get to, get to see each other a couple of nights in a row, uh, that's when the other guys are going to have to knock down shots. I do think it's certainly worth noting, obviously, Kyle Korver's been out here for a little bit. And certainly when you look at a game like that Miami game, last night you would have loved to just been able to get him out there and and see if he can knock down two or three threes i think uh, he's going to be an important player come playoffs which maybe we didn't think at the start of the season but i certainly think he's slipped into that role so uh while you know overall certainly zero zero reason for anyone to be panicking about this bucks team i mean the record is so good they've been so dominant three-point shooting is just something to watch as we move forward here heading towards the playoffs All right, so I've got a couple of numbers here. I want to look at the, the Bucks defense now, and this is the reason why you should, if you have any of those doubts from the things that I've just spoke about in terms of the Bucks three-point shooting, this should bring you right back, and you should feel much better about this after we have uh, this conversation right here. So I've got, I've got three games that I'm going to point to. Obviously, the first one is going to be the 105-89 loss to Miami last night. Uh, look, the Heat made 18 threes. We know that. They shot the hell out of the ball. And, and a lot of them were contested. A lot of them were difficult shots. But the interesting thing, overall, 19 for 49 on two-point field goal attempts, Miami, just 38.7%, only scored 30 points in the paint. The loss to uh, Philadelphia on Christmas Day, 121-109. The Sixers were 23 for 57 on twos, just 40%. 34 points in the paint, even though they made 21 threes on that day. The next game I've got here is the Raptors last week, 127-115. The Bucks win. The Raptors made 18 threes, but Milwaukee held them to 14 for 39, just 35% on twos, and only 22 points in the paint. So this, when I look at the matchups moving forward for the playoffs, this is why, ultimately, despite... Some of the question marks in the Bucks' shooting ability and their ability to knock down those threes and, and create that space and create that room to move for Giannis, the defense is just rock solid. And, and you think that this was the number one defense in the league uh, last season. They've got significantly better, significantly better. And the lead between them as the number one defense in the league and the number two ranked defense is astronomical. It's incredible. And, and as we all know, this is built around the Bucks' ability to protect the paint and protect the rim. And we've seen against the best teams in the East this season that they cannot crack that defense. I still think it's absolutely remarkable 
that Miami only scored 105 points last night against the Bucks, despite hitting 18 threes. If you go into a game saying or knowing that you're going to hit 18 threes, you're thinking, oh, yeah, we, we might score 120. We might score 130 tonight. We're going to have a good night. The reason they didn't is because they couldn't get past Giannis. They couldn't get past uh, the Lopez brothers. And this is going to be a problem come playoff time for these teams. We've seen it time and time again. Toronto, last week, didn't really have anyone that could penetrate that defense to get in there. We know with the guards, with Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet, smaller guys, it's going to be difficult for them to score at the rack. Pascal Siakam just has a really difficult matchup. I mean, if you're throwing Giannis at him, and then we saw certainly Marvin Williams have some success there, there's a big, big question mark over Pascal Siakam as a guy who has been asked to take this a huge leap from number two guy last year with Kawhi Leonard to now the number one. That's, that's a really, really tough ask for him. And to this point, he hasn't quite been able to deliver against the best teams. Miami, a bunch of shooters, a bunch of fantastic shooters. But who's the guy that's going to get you a basket at the, at, in the paint at the rack? Maybe Jimmy Butler for sure. But I just think that Miami is lacking that guy that's going to be able to get through this defense and get to the paint as well. And Philadelphia, we've seen, have, have had major, major troubles, not only on the Christmas Day uh, in the paint, but in the other two times they've met as well. So there's one thing that you can rely on with this Bucks team, and that's the defense. It brings it every single night. I know that there's some concerns over the three-point shooting and the way that they allow other teams sometimes to get those open looks, but the numbers will tell you and certainly the 52-9 and nine record will tell you that the defense is winning this team games despite sometimes not getting the best offensive production from, from some of these other role players that Milwaukee have. So ultimately, I think when you take a step back and you look at this, uh, this loss to Miami and you look at what it means in the grand scheme of things, I think it's one game and a tough schedule in a series of 82 games that you're not really going to take a lot away from. Certainly, Giannis might look at the matchup with Bam and say, okay, uh, I've seen him now. It had been several months since we played against each other. How, could I manip- how can I manipulate him? How can I manipulate the Heat defenders to get into my spots a little bit better? Next time they play, he won't be on the, on the third game in four nights. He won't be on a back-to-back. Things are likely to change. But as I look at the rest of the East, and I didn't really touch on Boston, certainly... I'm interested to see how those guys go against the Bucs. I think ultimately the problem for the Celtics in that series is that I think Giannis ends up averaging 40 points and 20 rebounds. I, I don't know how they slow him down. They had a very similar roster last year and they couldn't slow him down because uh, Al Horford was the uh, prime defender. And eventually Giannis just wore him down. So I, I don't think the Celtics are going to be able to slow Giannis down. And I think that's the problem for them. But scoring against this Bucs team is tough. It's really, really, really tough. The Bucs are disciplined and they're consistent and they bring it every single night defensively. And I think come playoff time, that's the thing you have to feel good about. So uh, listen, we are, we are a Bucs podcast. And I think at times this season, we, we haven't maybe discussed some of the things that you should be concerned about. Not overly concerned, but you should have in the back of your mind. And honestly, I've said this before. If the Bucs shoot the ball well through the playoffs, I don't think they're touched. I think they're on the way to an NBA championship. So time will tell. And certainly the numbers tell you that if they, if they do go cold, doesn't necessarily guarantee a loss, but it means you're in for a close game. And, and you know, 
in all honesty, we just haven't seen too many close games from this Bucks team. So it's certainly something to monitor moving forward from uh, some of these Bucks role players and including Giannis. Let's see if he can start to knock down these threes and pick up that percentage again as it's sort of dropped off a little bit after the new year. But the Bucks will be back at home Wednesday night. That's an ESPN game. Early tip, 6 p.m. Central. That time has changed in the, in the last few weeks here as uh, ESPN took that broadcast. So Bucks paces. Remember, Milwaukee lost in Indiana just before the All-Star break. So this will be a nice challenge for them to go back in there. No Giannis in that game after the birth of his son, Liam. So he will be playing tomorrow night. Uh, the only injury report we have at this point Victor Oladipo is questionable with knee soreness, so we'll see whether he gets up to play this one. But again, another meeting with our old friend Malcolm Brogdon, and the Pacers have actually snuck back up into the fifth seed, so they're fighting, they're scrapping. We know the Sixers are just decimated by injuries at this point. So, uh, listen, this is going to be an interesting game again. The Bucks have had some good battles with the Pacers uh, through the course of this season and last season. So as I said, 6 p.m. tip off the Bucks, looking to avoid back-to-back losses for the first time this season. I'll be back after the game tomorrow night. I'll drag someone along with me so you don't have to listen to me rambling on the whole time. Frank is still traveling. He's going to be back on Thursday to preview Bucks lakers And then Friday night, I'm sure we're going to have a pod together after that game. And I think everyone has at least one eye on the game out at Staples Center on Friday night against LeBron and the Lakers. But for now, for Kane Pittman, we're going to wrap it up and speak to you guys soon.